How's it going, everybody? No podcast this week. Uh, Jeremy and I were both just independently very busy, and we couldn't uh, coordinate a time to uh, record. But we will be back next week. Um, and uh, I did want to just take a brief moment to um, talk about the uh, when I was doing the liberal conservative report before I had Jeremy co-hosting, uh, I had a, a Patreon account. And one of the perks for becoming a Patreon supporter was that you could choose a song for me to play on the acoustic guitar and I would attempt to sing it and play it. Um, Jeremy was kind enough to become a supporter and uh, he asked me to do The Man Who Sold the World by, uh, it was actually by David Bowie, but, but Nirvana covered it um, and they did an excellent job. I... Um, tried to cover it and i actually think i i did a pretty pretty decent job on this one although my vocals are just uh horrible um but what i'm gonna do from now on with music um i'm gonna have all my music on a separate channel i don't want to mix rule eight politics with my music anymore so if you are interested in in hearing the recording and video of the man who sold the world uh, you can click the link in the description of this video. I'm also going to try to get it to come up here on the screen. I'm still trying to figure this out through uh, YouTube. Um, but, um, yeah, link should be in the description at the least. Um, and uh, if you're searching for it, it's probably just under Zach Sacker. That's uh, um, my personal account. Um, it should come up in, in YouTube if you uh, search for that. Um, and... Uh, I thought I'd quickly give you uh, a few of my thoughts on the dueling town halls that uh, took place over this last week. Um, I'm just going to pretty much go through my notes really quick here. This will be more of a stream of consciousness and less a uh, formal podcast by any means. Um, so, number one, the first thing that stood out was uh, both uh, Donald Trump's and uh and um, Joe Biden's town halls were very different. Donald Trump was very combative, combative as you would imagine, and uh, Joe Biden, uh, Ben Shapiro said it very well. He was basically getting a, a massage from George Stephanopoulos. Um, but um, I thought they both did very well, giving, given the circumstances for, for both. I mean, Trump especially, because he was getting some very tough questions. Um, I mean, I don't think they were unfairly tough. He is the president of the United States, and therefore, you know, he when it comes to electoral politics, he's on the defense, you know? So, I mean, the questions are going to be be tough. Plus, we're going through a pandemic right now, you know, where we're kind of in a pretty shitty spot um, on a lot of fronts, cultural issues in this country, and... Uh, uh, the pandemic situation and economics attached to the pandemic. So he deserves to get some tough questioning. Um, but a few things that stood out. I'll start with the Trump town hall, and then I'll move over to the Biden town hall. I thought they both did well, uh, I, I will say again. Um, Trump strongly denounced white supremacy. I mean, he's he has done it before, but for some reason it's... A lot of times it seems like he is, like, hesitant to do so and, you know, but the whole um, – there were very fine people on both sides. That was something that the media blew up way out of proportion because he said pretty much in the same sentence that he 
wasn't talking about the KKK people and the neo-Nazis. So um, he condemned white supremacy. He phrased it like that. I condemn white supremacy. He said that like at least three times um, uh, after Savannah Guthrie asked him uh, about that. So it was pretty clear this time. I mean, if it wasn't clear during the, uh, the debate he had with Biden, which a lot of people, myself included, didn't think he did a good job with uh, answering that question. He was not clear about it at all. Um, he strongly denounced white supremacy, and I think that will uh, uh, reassure a lot of people. Um, he was also asked to denounce QAnon. QAnon. Uh, I always forget how they pronounce the name of this this group. QAnon. I think it is. Um, <laughs> He goes, I know nothing about QAnon. And she says, I just told you. Uh, she had, the way she started the question was like, QAnon is this group of, of people who thinks the Democrats are, um, are, are uh, controlled by a pedophile cabal that's international and uh, they're really controlling every everything. And uh he goes, I know nothing about QAnon, and she inter interjects, I just told you, and he goes, you just told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I'm sorry to say it, and I, I thought that was hilarious and true, because uh, you, journalists get a lot wrong, and they parrot a lot, too, and, and like the whole Proud Boys thing, which we've talked about on this channel, Jeremy and I, a few episodes ago, the Proud Boys are not a white supremacist organization, uh, but the media always calls them white supremacists. You, you hear it all the time. Yes, they are a right wing. You could even say a far right wing group, but that doesn't necessarily make them violent or hateful, or white supremacist or anything like that. Um, one of their leaders is a... Uh, uh, is uh, he, he considers himself an Afro-Cuban, um, and um, one of their founders was a Hillary supporter. So they're not even all Trump supporters. You know, the media won't tell you that, but these are just basic facts of, about the organization. If you actually do any of your own digging, um, so if the media is wrong about the Proud Boys, there's a chance they're wrong about QAnon too, right? can't just take savannah guthrie's word that they are what they what she says they are um so i thought that was a, a pretty good way to answer that without answering it really um then there was the uh question about him retweeting the conspiracy theory that biden had navy seal team six killed to cover up the fact that they didn't actually kill osama bin laden which is just a ridiculous conspiracy theory. Um, it's bullshit. Uh, SEAL Team 6, the guys who went, uh, who did that raid, um, most of them are alive and well. Uh, I don't know if they all are. Maybe they all are. I, I don't know. But um, this is just a bullshit conspiracy theory. Um, I actually think one of the guys did get killed uh, who was in on the initial raid. But... Uh, uh, I'm not sure about that. It's besides the point. It's a bullshit, crazy conspiracy theory. Um, and and Trump retweeted this. And when asked about it, he goes, that was a retweet, <laughs> which is a bullshit answer. That was a retweet. That was an opinion of somebody. That was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide. People can decide for themselves. 
And um, <laughs> I thought uh, the moderator's response was just awesome. She goes, you're the president. You're not somebody's crazy uncle who could just retweet whatever. And she's absolutely right. You know, I mean, that's been the problem with the Trump presidency from day one is really the, the, the tweeting and the retweeting. If he, you know, dropped his phone in a in the toilet or something <laughs> on day one, um, I think he'd actually be doing pretty well right now uh, regarding his reelection chances. Um, regarding a peaceful transfer of power, he was asked about this again. Um, uh, also, a very important question. And uh, for the first time, I can recall he actually said that he will accept a peaceful transfer of power, which was very reassuring. Um, he also added that he wants it to be an honest election. You know, he said, yes, I will support a, pe a peaceful transfer of power, but I want it to be an honest election, something along those lines. Um, so that was good. Um, regarding the uh, $421 million dollars debt that Trump supposedly has. Uh, this was a story that the New York Times, um, the New York Propaganda Times, um, basically uh, they did their own investigative work and discovered that Trump supposedly has $421 million um, in debt. Uh, we don't know who the debt, who owns that debt. Um, Compared to the assets that he has, Trump argued, um, he's very under-levered. Um, that's basically what his uh, response was. Um, I did some, some digging and uh, a little bit of math here. Um, according to Forbes, Trump is supposedly worth $2.5 billion. Right, That's his net worth. So that includes money he has in the bank as, as well as his properties which is really where his wealth is. Um, if you add back the debt, the 2.91, what did I say before? Uh, okay, yeah, so uh, $421 million in debt. You add back the debt, he has basically just under $3 million in, um, in assets because net wealth is basically assets minus your debt, right? So um, if you divide your, uh, your um, debt, the $421 million by uh, $2.921 billion, uh, just under $3 uh, billion, you come up with 14%, 0.14 or 14%, which is indeed very underlevered. Uh, if you're an investor looking to invest in a company and that's not necessarily a good thing because it means that the company is not using the most efficient capital structure um, interest on debt is tax-free so if the Trump organization had more debt they would actually be paying less in taxes so from an investment standpoint this Still, you know, Trump is proud about the fact that he's underlevered, and maybe that is a very good thing if he's the president and he's trying to show he doesn't have that much of a conflict of interest. Still, $421 million to, to the average person is a shit ton of money. Um, I couldn't imagine having that 
amount of debt, you know. Um, but it's it's relative to your net assets and uh, relative to Trump's net assets, he is indeed under levered, um, uh, according to uh, what most investors, uh, most value investors, the Warren Buffett types are looking for. Um, that's what a value investor does. They look at a, a company's balance sheet and uh, they would look at something like uh, their uh, debt to a uh, assets ratio. Um, all right, so I'm rambling on this a little bit too long, so I'm going to move on here. Um, Trump says he never asked Amy Coney Barrett about how she would rule if the election is contested, which is, is important. Um, don't necessarily know if we could just tr trust Trump what he says on that. Um, but Amy Coney Barrett, she had her hearings last week. Um, I, I think she seems like a great person. Um, as far as being a judge, I think she'd make a great judge, too. Um, I don't know how she would rule on um, on uh, Obamacare or even Roe vs. Wade and stuff. Um, precedent is important um, for conservative judges, and that's something that I don't think um, uh, a lot of people on the left are really understanding. Um, but I don't want to go off topic again on Amy Coney Barrett. Um, what else? Um, all right, that's all my notes, actually, for the Trump uh, town hall. Let's move on to Biden real quick. I want to keep this all quick. Uh, Biden says that um, he will give an answer regarding court packing before the election. He just doesn't want to do it right now. He says that he is watching to see how the Republicans handle the Amy Coney Barrett nomination process. Um, and then before the election, he'll give an answer on whether he would support packing the courts. Um, and this would basically mean the Democrats, th there are prominent Democrats saying that if they win, they should pack the court. And that basically means that they're just going to, um, it doesn't say in the constitution how many Supreme court justices there needs to be. That number is decided between Congress and the president. So if the Democrats control everything, if they control Congress and they control the president, they could just sign a new bill into law saying that we're adding four more justices and Oba uh, Biden gets to nominate all of them. So basically they would move the court pretty radically to the left. Um, radically not in the political sense, but in, in a more mathematical sense, you know, it's going to be a, a big sudden movement to the left. Um He was asked a question by Drew Lewis's son, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting because Drew Lewis uh, served as the Secretary of Transportation under Reagan, um, and he was asked basically a question, how do you um, bring the two sides together uh, in this climate that we have, this polarized, contentious climate that we have? And uh, Biden said something that I found to be very powerful. Uh, he said, never question someone's motive. Uh, you can you can question their judgment, but never their motive, even if it's obvious. You know, you could know that somebody um, is voting the way that they are because they're in the pocket of big oil or something. If you just basically call this person out for being in the pocket of, of big oil or, you know, you accuse them of being um, 
if you accuse them of misleading their constituents or accuse them of uh, doing something dirty, you're basically just backing that person into a corner and they're going to be less likely to want to work with you. Um, and that's what the two sides have been doing for the past 30 years is they're just they're getting more and more personal with each other and attacking people's motives. Um, and, and you can't get anything done. You can't compromise when you attack somebody's motive. Um, there needs to be bipartisan friendship. You know, we need the two sides to actually like each other. It's okay if they disagree, but actually like each other because they'll find ways to work together and get shit done. Um, they don't like each other today because they're overly personal with each other. Um, so I thought that was a very important lesson that, uh, Biden said it kind of surprised me actually. Um, and uh, the last note I have on here uh, regarding the Biden town hall was he said that he would not rule in or out his Justice Department prosecuting Trump for obstruction of justice. And this was very important, actually, and very um, uh, this makes me nervous because so basically the Mueller report back to the Russia investigation, um, there were uh, some items in that report that uh, looked like tr Trump possibly could have um, obstructed justice. Uh, he fired James Comey, the head of the FBI. I mean, it looked like he was trying to slow the investigation into uh, his possible meddling uh, or, or colluding with Russia, rather. Um, So right now, but the only reason he wasn't, these charges weren't brought up against him um, because, was because he's the president of the United States, um, which creates a situation where Biden not making a, taking a stance on this. You know, there's a possibility that he basically said that he's just going to Whatever the Justice Department decides to do, they're going to do. Biden's not going to interfere. He's going to let the Justice Department have autonomy, which is typically before the Trump era. That's basically how the Justice Department was, more or less. Um, um, but, of course, Biden does get to nominate a new head of the just Justice Department. So who knows what would happen there? Um, it makes me nervous, though, because this kind of creates a situation where Trump may feel that he either needs to win re-election. If he doesn't win re-election, he could be going to jail. You know, I mean, if the Democrats, half this country hates Trump, like really hates him. Um, he may have difficulty living after this election in this country. Um, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? He may have to move to, like, Israel or... Russia or something, um, because uh, a lot of people hate him, um, including a lot of people who will uh, will take power if if Trump is uh, ousted, um, and the Republicans more broadly. If the Democrats decide to pursue Trump and, and put him in jail, I mean, right now that's what that he could be thinking that, like, you know, why not? cheat why not give it all 
he can and, and throw the whole kitchen sink at winning re-election because if he doesn't, he could be going to prison, right? It, it kind of like incentivizes uh, Trump to play dirty. Um, so uh, I kind of wish for the sake of democracy and for the republic, uh, Joe Biden just said that he will not prosecute Trump, but I can also understand him not wanting to piss off a lot of people on the left who do want Trump prosecuted. Um, so we'll just have to see how that plays out. You know, maybe my concerns are a little bit uh, out there and uncalled for, but I really think we are teetering on the brink. We have militia groups around this country popping up um, and uh, attempting to kidnap governors and there's uh, all sorts of, of, of factions, armed factions in this country, and we have basically, uh, there's a cliff, and we're speeding towards it. And Election Day um, is basically, is the brink. I don't know if we could step back from that. We're flying towards it fast. We are... Um, Dan Carlin said it very well. Um, we're basically like heading towards an iceberg, and Trump is kind of steering us into that iceberg in a lot of ways uh, by saying things like the only way he could lose this election is if the Democrats rig it. Um, we're heading to... Uncharted territory. These are scary times, and um, I just uh, hope you all stay safe. We will be back next week with an actual podcast, and um, we'll have plenty to talk about. Have a good night. Bye.